Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is made, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I pay my respects to elders past and present. Hi, I'm Ash London, reformed radio host and new mum. I'm knee-deep in this whole parenthood thing and every day I find myself with more questions than I had the day before. If you're like me and want to be a parent or are a parent but also want to keep your own dreams and interests alive, then this podcast is for you. We'll speak to famous parents, experts, mates and strangers off the internet as we figure out how to keep living our best lives even when it feels like we have no idea what the hell we're doing. Welcome to New Mum Who Dis. Hello, my darlings. <laughs> Whoa, coughing straight away. Um, first of all, sorry. I feel like I'm saying that every episode these days. Sorry that it's been so long. But um, if you follow me on the socials, you'll know that for the last month, well, more now, six weeks, we have just been absolutely smashed by sickness in this house. It has been unrelenting. All of us, Buddy and then me, then my husband, then Buddy, and then me, and then my husband. It's just been crap. Plus, we've moved houses, and my husband has gone back to work, which means I am a proper full-time mama, and it is the hardest thing I've ever done. So, right now, I'm literally sitting in bed with my uh, podcast equipment on the bed next to me because it was the only way that I could kind of make myself do this by being as comfortable as possible. So yeah, I feel like there's no real need to apologise though because if you listen to this podcast, you're probably a parent and you probably get it. So I'm not going to say sorry, I'm just going to explain. And I love you and I'm so glad that we're back. And yeah, that's enough for me, I suppose. Let's just get into it and introduce to today's guests. I just said today's guests, like today, Junior. Hubbly. I'm super excited about today's guest, Dr. Harvey Karp. Now, while he's been a paediatrician for over four decades, an academic, an author, perhaps he's most famous for inventing something many of you might have used or at least heard of, the snoo, which we used at home with the butt man. But to be perfectly honest, it's Dr. Karp's insights into modern parenting and the unique challenges that we face uh, parenting in this world that really interest me. And ever since this conversation, I've been thinking back on some of the points that he made and why some of the things that I find challenging, I find challenging. In 2022, even without kind of taking the pandemic into account, parenting looks a whole lot different to how it looked two or even one generation ago. We're more isolated, we've often moved away from our families, and that traditional village model is something we're kind of seeing less and less of. I recently moved home to Melbourne and having more friends, family and most importantly, perhaps my mother, around has been absolutely life-changing. You'll hear more about that in today's chat alongside some really helpful tips when it comes to toddlers and meltdowns. So, welcome to the show, Dr. Harvey Karp.
I'm all about speaking to experts and really encouraging people to kind of scratch beneath the surface and make sure that the advice they're taking is good stuff. So I like to start these conversations, first of all, by talking about your own training, why, what the doctor before Dr. Cart means and what made you kind of get into all this all those years ago. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, I had no idea what it meant to be a doctor. I'm the first doctor in the family. My father is an engineer. He kind of was a consultant. And I thought, that's great. He makes his own hours. He kind of runs his own life. I want to do that, but I want to do it in science. So that gets, I means that I'm a doctor. And then I became, I loved everything, but I really loved pediatrics. And I had no idea the commitment when you're a pediatrician, you have to be there. You have to be there day and night because things happen at the weirdest hours. So I ended up practicing for almost 30 years and loving it and loving the experience of it, but totally backed into it, not knowing what, <laughs> I, was, what I was doing. Well, I guess there's so much training involved before you get to the practicalities of it that by the time you realize, oh, wait a second. I uh, have no life and I am at the beck and call of these little humans. You can't walk away and be like, oh, forget about the how many years of study I've just done. You know something, that's one of the gratifying, it's kind of like parenting in that sense, right? I mean, you, you never can get away, but there's something wonderful being there for a family at the moment that they need you. And now I have my little, pay. I saw one yesterday, he's a vice president of a company and you know, the, these kids grow up and you get to share in their lives and see what they're doing. So that's really, you know, really part of the joy of it. But when I, when I trained as a pediatrician, you know, actually what was kind of funny is that pediatricians, we, we have to be aware of so many different diseases and, and um, congenital problems and things like that, that we don't spend a lot of time learning about regular bubs. And so it was, after I did all of my training, I said, you know what, I want to take two more years of studying child development, which you would think is just the normal part of being a pediatrician, but it turns out that it isn't. For most of us, we give out all sorts of wild advice, and then we have our own children, and then we go, I can't believe I was telling people that, you know? So, so I ended up spending, spending two years studying child development, and that made it so much more fun for me because every child was different. I wasn't just looking for diseases. I was enjoying the personality and the temperament differences in any given child and learning how to communicate with children and really the very fun part of it. I love that. I imagine that when you started practicing, was it 30 or 40 years ago? Yeah, many. Many. We'll just say many. Um, the world was a very, very different place. And I imagine that when you kind of look at the challenges for new mothers and new parents now, compared to maybe kind of when you started out, were they the same? Were they more the same than I would think? Or do you think new mums are facing specific challenges in this kind of day and age of, of, of the craziness? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it always changes, right? There are a few big things that parents are dealing with today that are kind of new and oftentimes not appreciated by parents. When is the lack of the extended family? You know, when you're in the 20s and you move away from the from the little town and you go to the big city and everything's exciting and wonderful. Of course, those were the days when you wanted to stay up all night long. <laughs> <laughs> but it turns out that there's a reason why you had your cousins living next door and your mother-in-law living upstairs from you, you know, and you don't quite get that until you have kids. And I don't just mean that from helping you point of view. 
but there's this sharing and building of a family, uh, the good and the bad. And, you know, it's never easy, of course, um, but but there's a richness to it. And, and there's a poverty to the life that we live in the city um, and when we're away from our extended family. I have a, a my wife and I have a daughter and she has a almost a one-year-old, very similar age to your buddy. Um, and they live in New York City and we're in Los Angeles. And so we can FaceTime and that's a wonderful thing, but, but we miss that cuddly time and the closest and being there for that first step and all of those wonderful things and being there when they need us. And it's even more insidious than this because parents don't think they deserve help today. You know, moms, you know, your generation, most educated parents in history, probably the least experienced in history when it comes to taking care of babies. Don't you, then did you, did, had you had hands-on babies before you had your own? Not really. My brother, like you just said, my brother moved to Singapore. So they've got four kids and I know them over FaceTime. So I didn't really have a lot of hands-on experience. I read a thousand books um, and then baby came and I was like, my mom got on a plane. I was just like, I, I actually just need you. So, and we're moving home like to Melbourne this weekend. Like I totally get it. Cause yeah, I had no hands-on experience. It was all new. Yeah. And as a pediatrician, I saw so many families who moved from Iowa and Kansas to Los Angeles. You know? And then they had kids and they said, ah, oh, for me, childhood is that neighborhood, that park going to the hills and running free. And of course, even in 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 villages, it's hard to let your kids run out today these days. But anyway, my point being that parents should be patting themselves on the back because they are juggling 10 balls at the same time. Both parents working, maybe helping your parents, maybe helping your brothers and sisters, trying to keep your podcast going and your professional life and taking care of a child or maybe two kids and keeping your house clean. And it's really, um, you know, it, it's a lot to juggle. It's not that we can't do it. The saying is they should on themselves. S-H-O-U-L-D. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, about I, 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 you know, and and it's never enough, right? I, my child, is you know, I shouldn't have these challenges, or I shouldn't have these doubts, or I shouldn't have these inabilities. And of course, with Instagram, you see everyone's life looking so perfect that you become extra critical of yourselves. And I think that that's kind of a a stress on families and and an area where I try to help people chill out a little bit and recognize. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Did you, in your professional capacity, notice the difference when, because there is so much data for young people around smartphones and social media and what's like how the um, the health outcomes have changed. Like when you look at a graph, it's like the smartphone was introduced and then kind of mental health kind of, you know, went into the toilet for young kids. I mean, I'm sure that the same studies exist for, for new parents or families. I'm not sure if they do, but in your in your kind of, experience have you noticed that 
social media, the ability to share so much and see so many people's other people's lives has kind of affected or has a mental toll on, on parents? I think so. You know, it, it, I mean, we all experience this. It's a double-edged sword, right? I mean, it allows you to to see your brother and the kids and it gives us an opportunity to have a conversation halfway around the world right now. So there are wonderful parts to technology, but we, the hard thing about it, and of course, this is what many people talk about, is that it's so addictive that we lose control of it. And then it's like, um, yeah, I like potato chips, but we're eating potato chips eight hours a day and that doesn't help. You know what I mean? Yeah. And babies watching me eat potato chips a hundred times a day and thinking those potato chips must be really bloody special if mom is always snacking on them. I want the potato chips. Exactly right. It's that thing about they, they don't do what you say. God, it's amazing. We call him like find my iPhone. Like we don't need to find my iPhone thing. You know, I could look and I would just say, buddy, go find mama's phone. He would find it under, you know, like treasure at the bottom of the ocean and he'd swim up with the eye. It's like <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. <laughs> but it does tell you about how their little minds are working constantly. You do have to be careful. And it encourages you to set limits on yourself because part of the moving into the city is that no limits i make my own time i do what i want and of course now you know if you can get three minutes in a shower it's like a three weeks vacation right but having some rules not such a bad thing you know this is our bedtime this is when we eat our meals some structure which you may not have had for the last 15 years of your life suddenly turns out to be a pretty good thing for not for everyone but for for a lot of folks it gives you a, an anchoring you've brought up such a good point because I think that's something I definitely experienced and I keep thinking back to my old life right and I'm like god I was so selfish and now I you know I, I didn't appreciate that like I literally did what I wanted when I wanted I bought what I wanted I went where I wanted and then it's this kind of huge shift to all of a sudden everything is a lot harder and I have to put this other person first. And it's, you know, I, I think that's one thing I wish I was kind of more prepared for because people tell you like, oh, they make jokes about it, right? Say goodbye to your freedom. You can't. I think that's the thing. You can't. <laughs> they can tell you everything and you think that you did. And that's like reading the books. You can read 10 books about it. it it's different. Way. I'm not saying you shouldn't read books, you know, but but it's different experiencing it. So if you can go to your friend's house and babysit. I mean, give them a break, which is lovely to do. But you'll also be giving yourself a gift to have a little bit more of an appropriate expectation of that. But it's really true what you're saying. But what happens sometimes is that the a mistake parents make is they think that I am everything to this child. And of course, you're incredibly important. But you'll see this when your little one becomes two years old and suddenly a three-year-old comes by, you're yesterday's fish. You know, it's like, bye, mommy, you know, running in that direction. Um, and, and the reason that this is important is that, of course, we're the anchors, we're the frame, we are the rich um, environment that is going to nurture this child. And that's super important. And it's a tremendous amount of sacrifice. The mistake is not to realize how important the the rest of the social context is. And I'm not laying on a guilt trip here, but I am encouraging people. Like sometimes when kids get to be your child's age and, and you're lining up daycare 
And, and there's this question, should I put him in daycare? Or should I not? Maybe he needs me. He needs to be with his mother more, not be farmed off with some other people. And the truth is, no, he needs to be farmed off with some other people because he's going to be with you and learn you. He needs to be able to learn different people and have understanding of how to work with that child and that child and that child and that adult and that adult, because we live in a privileged world in a material sense, but many of us live in an impoverished world in a social sense. Even good to have a, a you know a puppy dog or a cat or some other you know beings that child can develop relationships with because now just as he's learning where's the cell phone he's observing everything he's observing social interactions and you want to give a, a richness of exposure to those social interactions. Yeah. And I know a lot of parents. I mean, in Australia we had some pretty harsh lockdowns over COVID. So Buddy was born. You know, my maternity leave was pretty much spent in our apartment. And then, you know, no one was allowed to visit when he was young. And then now things have relaxed and he's kind of nearly one. But there's a lot of hangover, I, I think, a lot of fear around kind of sickness. And even though it's like, oh, we need to kind of reassimilate into the world. But I know that's a, that's a concern now for a lot of parents is far out. Have I made a mistake? Is my child going to be ruined forever because they've been at home with mum and dad only for a year and a half? I mean, it's a challenge and it's a challenge for the parents and the child. Of course, when they're babies, you know, his age, the first 11 months, it's not not a big, um, uh, big absence. But, you know, for, for a two-year-old, a three-year-old, for a teenager, of course, was incredibly hard in preteens, not having that social exposure. I mean, some kids did fine. They were more introverted, but a lot of them did not do fine. And it's kind of where you want to learn meditative breathing and do you know these different apps that kind of help you learn to not require so much external stimulation but you know everybody's different so it's it was a been a tough tough time but now things are more open getting outside getting just outside in the greenery but letting kids run around without you constantly holding on to the apron strings or having him hold the apron strings getting a little bit of a sense of autonomy. Um, there's even, uh, you know, for pre for preschoolers and early kids in early elementary school, they have these programs um, playing with power tools. Oh, I know. It's like, gas. What a dream. <laughs> terrifying for parents. Yes, terrifying for parents. But kids learn respect for things. And you, you can't just coddle them and, and protect them the whole time. Of course, you have to protect them, but there's this there's this delicate balance that we have to have to be able to. I love that you said respect for things as opposed to that's bad, don't touch it, which is which means oh man, I want to touch it so bad. It is you need to learn a respect for that. That can hurt you. That is a dangerous thing. I that's I'm gonna take that with me, Doctor Carp. Thank you very much. I've learned something. So here's an interesting thing where you are now. So a lot of people know me through my baby work and through Snoo and. You were so kind to say that that, that was helpful um, for you guys. And we're now doing research on reducing cot death and reducing postpartum depression. Actually, we just finished a study in Melbourne at Monash University using SNF for little baby, for mothers who have little babies to reduce depression and anxiety and insomnia and things like that. So it's very interesting stuff that's going on with that. But one of the things that I'm passionate about is the period from eight months to six years of age. 
because from birth to six months, you know, you, you'll get through it one way or another. Maybe you'll be exhausted one way or another. You're going to get through it. But between eight months and five, six years of age, you've built a person and their emotional balance, their ability to relate to others, their ability to feel purpose and self-worth is really created during that period. Now, that's not only on your shoulders. That's why I'm saying social environments, teachers, getting your kids out. It's an important thing because no parent can do all of this on their own. But what's really, really important, and, and this is a little bit of a plug for my book, The Happiest Toddler on the Block. What I've seen with, with parents through the decades is that, you know, it's like bringing that shiny apple to the teacher in the beginning. You want to be the best mom. You want to learn. You want to read the books. You'll buy, even if you don't read the books, you'll buy the books. You've got them on your bookshelf. Um, if you read them, you don't necessarily remember what you read. And then you never buy another book the rest of your kid's life. As if there's nothing else to learn. And actually, the best preschool teachers, the best pediatricians know tricks that you will you probably have never learned because you just haven't been in those experiences. And so I actually believe the happiest toddler on the block is so much more important than the happiest baby on the block because there are very, very specific techniques, oftentimes counterintuitive techniques that um, make all the difference in, in building a child's patience, cooperation, and emotional resilience. I'll give you one example. I was about to ask me, I said, come on, you got to give me a sneak peek here. So you asked about what's the change over the last 50 years. 50, 60 years ago, it was perfectly fine for you to spank your children. In fact, many people said you were not a good parent if you didn't do that. You had to teach, you know, spare the rod and spoil the child and, you know, teach them to whatever. Then we we said, no, 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 that's wrong. That's child, that's abusive experience. But it was okay to scream things at your kids or belittle them or don't be stupid or don't be a baby and all that kind of stuff. Pretty much that's gone by the wayside. And now parents are taught to use active listening or respectful listening or things like that, where you narrate back their feelings. Sweetheart, I know you want a biscuit, but we have to wait. We're going to be eating dinner. It turns out that's actually not exactly what you do. And when you speak like that, it's actually in a very subtle way, undermining your child and, and, and kind of reducing their ability to emotionally grow. And what I mean by that is this, when you have strong feelings and you express them, why are you expressing them? You're expressing them because you want the people around you who you have a relationship with to understand how you feel, to acknowledge that. And magically that helps you recover. If you don't express your emotions, I'm not angry. Oh, I think you are, you know, you don't even know it. If you don't express your emotions, they never go away. Literally you have emotions inside of you or may have that are there from when you were a little child and you never had a chance to express them. And um, so, so what does that mean? It means that to, to be able to be emotionally healthy, you have to express your feelings in an environment that is receptive and respectful. How can you be receptive and respectful of Buddy's feelings so he grows up feeling self-worth and entitled to have feelings? And the way you do that is by 
it's it's a technique called toddleries in in the book happiest toddler and it's three steps short phrases repetition and mirroring a third of his emotion so when he's very upset rather than saying sweetheart sweet honey honey calm down i know you're upset i know you want that but we have to wait remember we there's such a difference between his level of feeling and emotion in your words that it's like if you were upset and I say to you, that's very upsetting, Ash. Oh, I want to punch you in the face. <laughs> right, wouldn't you? It makes you feel worse. Totally. The words are not bad, but there's such a disconnect in the emotional valence or, or emotional value of the words that you're saying that it feels worse than just being ignored. On the other hand, I don't use words. And I just reflect some of them. I go, oh, oh, I don't have to be eloquent. If you read that in the book, it would look odd. But if someone said it to you, like if you were tearful and you were just very yeah, it's, it's validation. Exactly. But it, the key, you need a special key for the lock. It's not any key goes in there. And that key, that master key is short phrases, repetition, and mirroring a third of, of your emotion. Now, the weird thing is when people do this, they feel odd, they feel like they're acting. You're so mad, you want that, you, 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 you want that toy. You, you say mine, you want it now. Really, isn't that baby talk? Is that really how I'm supposed to do it? But what's weird about this is when he's very happy and proud of himself, he just did something, you would probably feel okay to go, yay, wow, you tried. So hard you climbed and climbed and you did it. Same technique. Rather than saying, Oh, very good, buddy. Mother is proud. I will call father. Right? But I mean, that's kind of what it's like. That's great. Yeah, no, and I see similar things kind of around, like but I think that kind of encapsulates it in a way that's really easy to remember. Short phrases, repetition, mirror, one third. I'll let you when he's a toddler, I'll let you know. This will I would say 50, 60% of the time, you'll calm a temper tantrum down in 20 seconds. And sometimes if you keep doing this, you'll prevent these outbursts because you're helping kids because they just want to communicate their feelings to you. And I have to say, it was just for, for your listeners or yourself, there was just an article about this in the Times of London because I was in London last month and I was interviewed by this journalist and she said, I don't know, this sounds really odd. I'm going to give this a try. And then she wrote the article about her experience not just doing it at home, but she said, and then I got brave enough to do it in public. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's embarrassing. Yeah. But I think in the moment, if your toddler is having a meltdown in public, at that point it gets to the point where you don't even care. I just want this to be over. I will try anything. And then it works. And then you never care again because. And if it doesn't work, because none of this is magic, you know, some, sometimes they're having a bad day or you're having a bad day. And sometimes you just got to pick them up and carry them screaming out of the store. But when you're doing that, instead of saying, stop it, stop it now, you're saying, you're so mad. You don't, you don't want mommy to hold you. You're, you don't like this at all. You say, no, no, no. But you're still doing what you have to do. And, and in the moment, it may not make a difference, but it will ultimately, because 20 minutes later, when he's calmed down, you're going to say, you did not like mommy. You were mad at mommy because you didn't want to do that. And you said, don't do it, mommy, four, five, six, seven, eight times. And then you say, but buddy, remember, we can't, you, you can't hit that little girl. Remember, 
it wasn't okay. And then she cried when you hit her and you went, she went, ouch, when you did that. Yeah. So that happens after the meltdown when we've had some time and space away from it. Yeah, because you have to, you have to recover from your emotions before you can process the lesson of it. Yeah. I mean, I'm 36 and I need to recover from it before I can process. So how can I expect a toddler? (laughs) Well, before we say goodbye, I will give you a chance to properly plug the book so everyone knows what it's called, when they can get it and why they need it. Well, thanks. Actually, I'll take the moment to plug Snoo because one of the things I'm so excited about, especially in Oz, it is, it's actually very, very popular in the US. It's been in six museums. It's won more awards than any baby products in history. Snoo is this little kind of responsive baby bed that secures babies on the back so they're safer at night. It rocks and shushes all night long and for naps, of course. And then it responds when the baby's upset with a little bit more jiggly motion and sound to help them fall back asleep and help them to soothe the crying. And so what we've seen with Snoo is we immediately add one to two hours to the baby's sleep at night, which people go, wait a second, is this really true? Could that possibly be? But it's the same thing that would happen if you drive them all night in the car. If you give them those rhythms and then the bed sleep trains them so that by uh, six months, usually it's a very easy transition um, out of the snoo. And then in addition to that, it makes parents feel so cared for and competent because you have a helper. And that gets to the extended family thing we were talking about. You know, new moms and dads need and deserve some support. If you were to hire a babysitter, it would probably cost you 20, 25 Australian dollars to to buy a snoo costs about... You can add $10 to that. It's $35 an hour for a... Oh, is it really? Okay. Yeah. And is, a snoo is maybe 12 Australian a day for 24-hour help, not just for one hour of help. I just wish you had an adult one. It's the one thing that everyone always says about their snoos. And I, me and my husband look at it and be like... You lucky little thing. <laughs> yeah. If only someone would just give me a hug and rock me to sleep and just rock me. I mean, that is the dream. If you you make one of those, Dr. Carb, I'll buy two, one for me and one for Adrian. Give you the hot tip. We're working on it. We're working on it. <laughs> well, it was such a pleasure um, to chat to you. Uh, really, really great tips in there. And I definitely learned a lot. Thank you for um, making the time. I'll be getting the book. And, and thank you for the snoo because I can say we I mean I don't people say did it help I think so I never I used it from the day he got home and we had a great experience so that's all I can say our experience was great it's a wonderful thing and and it was really a pleasure chatting to you today mate thanks you as well Ash and take a look at the book and then we'll have a follow-up because you there's a lot to learn uh, in the new year that's coming up can't wait thanks matey bye 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 